friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. This is Tim and Friends for Wednesday, April 13th. Final show of the week on linear television right here on Tim and Friends. Grand Slam of Curling takes our place tomorrow and Friday. And just so you know, before you go complaining on Twitter, we kind of appreciate the couple of days off. No, Jesse? Yeah. Of course. <laughs> that that was a quick, yeah. 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 Thursday, Friday's perfect. It doesn't yeah. get better than Thursday, Friday. Yes. Those days off are only for the show. We'll keep firing away as we always do on Instagram. <laughs> And Twitter at Tim and Friends. Jesse, you're doing the daily dose, though, each one of those days. Yeah, right? of course, of course. Was that too quick? Did that come across poorly? <laughs> <laughs> Are you really doing the daily dose? Uh, uh, why not? I didn't. I was just joking. I thought for sure that you were taking the daily dose. No, off. why not? Should I? I think. Uh, why don't you make the call right now? No, I think. Spot. I think we've been talking about maybe getting the digital of Friday off because we're off here. Uh, so maybe talk to the digital folks before you go planning your Friday. I'll hit up okay. Will right now. Yeah, man, sure, Will. Make sure you do that. Yeah. Uh, either way, we'll put in another solid award eligible edition of Tim and Friends, even though we have the next four days off. Whatever. Elliot Friedman, <laughs> fresh off the Canucks for Kids telethon, a great initiative from our friends in the Lower Mainland. June Lee of ESPN will drop by from Yankee stadium ahead of game three of the four game series in the bronx and you and curry the sheepdogs just a friend stopping by good old sasky boy big fan of the jays the raptors as well as the raiders so we'll have to ask him jesse if every starting quarterback in the nfl is a 40 million dollar quarterback like i like Derek carr more than most but is he worth 40 schmill like is that just the going rate wouldn't you like to be an NFL quarterback? If I'm if I'm in the NFL right now, I'm just drafting a quarterback every third year and hoping. Honestly. Yeah, yeah because otherwise you gotta pay forty million dollars. You could spend thirty five million on other players. Yep. Like Confirmed. I don't get what we're doing right now. No, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. He's an above average quarterback. I like but, him. But slightly. I like and him. And you're paying him forty million dollars? Seems a, a bit egregious. Somewhere Baker Mayfield feels a lot, uh, very slighted right now. Actually I, I know where he is. <laughs> He's on the You Know What I Mean podcast with Mike Studd talking about how good he was in Cleveland while George Kittle wonders, rather correctly, about the dog. Check out the first comment that I saw online from George Kittle. I don't know if you can see it there. Is the dog okay? Amaze balls. And then the internet comes <laughs> off the top rope in the form of DD Daily. No, all he wants is an owner that can throw him a tennis ball accurately. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Madrid. By the way, shout out Luke for handing me that on Twitter. That's great stuff. Baker. <laughs> Tough. Did you see the interview? Yeah, I just. I, no self awareness. I don't like the, the feel sorry for their self. What happened dudes. to self awareness in. Pro sports. Is it because these guys are catered to from grade eight on that they think that like there's so much privilege and a lack mm-hmm. of and listen, I'm like eighty percent of the time I'm on the athlete side. But I just I, I look at them and I'm like, what are you doing? Can I tell you what I think it is? Yeah. I think um, with everybody having a podcast now, mm-hmm. uh, athletes are speaking out a lot more than they used to. And I think more athletes probably 
shared the sentiments that Baker feels, like they, a lot of them feel sorry for themselves, but now they feel a lot more comfortable speaking out. It doesn't just have to be in the locker room post-game anymore. Right. They can be at any time. And that's social media and that's podcast for you. Right. Uh, listen, uh, a great start. I hope the rest of the show follows suit. So let's get off on the right foot. First things first, the homie Jesse Rubinoff. What's the scoop of Darren Poopa? It's an all-time handle. All-time. It is indeed an all-time handle. Okay, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Edmonton Oilers had been playing some of their best hockey of the season, but to me, they didn't look very good last night. The Leafs lost 5-2 to the Sabres at home, their third straight loss to the Buffalo Sabres, if you can believe it, while the Edmonton Oilers lost 5-1 in Minnesota as the Wild completed the sweep of the season series. Which of those losses was more concerning for you? Before I answer that question, I want to welcome those on Sportsnet who just watched Hello. the Boston Red Sox beat the Detroit Tigers 9-7. You're watching Tim and Friends already in progress on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet. So the Red Sox, who started 0-2 on the year, now 3-3 on the season. Jays at Fenway next week, 4-3. For those just joining us, Jesse Rubinoff was asking which of the two losses of 14 games on the ice last mm-hmm. night was more concerning the Oilers loss to the Wild or the Leafs loss to the Buffalo Sabres. Hopefully you're all caught up to date and I'll just ask your uh, my mom says never answer a question with another question but I'm going against my mom right now. You can do that. Are the Leafs more worried about the Sabres or the Oilers more worried about the Wild? I don't think the Leafs are worried about the Sabres. Me either. I think they're there's your answer. I don't even think they really care that they don't play well against bad teams. Uh, of the four, I saw in Luke Fox's article of the four teams in the Atlantic Division, the Leafs have the best record against teams that are playoff bound and the worst record against teams that are outside the playoffs. So I think they believe that they can rise to the occasion. Not a very good night last night. You just walked all over my super stat or meaningless me. number. Shouldn't have asked I was going to answer about the Wild and the Oilers my being bad. 0-3 against the Wild this year. But way to go, Jesse. <laughs> Steal my thunder. Very good stats, by the way. I completely and utterly agree with yes, you. That's Luke's. I think that it is indeed. Uh, I have a different stat, a little bit different, but it's the same bloody thing, and you walked all over it. Uh, Edmonton's <laughs> slow starts have been a problem all year. And I hope that last night was a perfectly timed kick in the ass. Mm-hmm. Like, most Edmonton fans, as this date was kind of circled or the pregame was on, remembered what Minnesota did in Edmonton, which was run out to a 4 nothing lead before yeah. folks had sat down and had their first beer. Like, they knew coming in that Minnesota had whooped them at home and did it rather quickly. And they did it once again. It was 5-0 before Edmonton even scored a goal. The only the only caveat that you might throw into this is let's hope for Edmonton Oilers fans' sake that that's a swift kick in the ass that they can learn from, that they cannot do that. And they had been better under Jay Woodcroft. They had scored first more, but that was the old Dave Tippett, Edmonton yes. Oilers get scored on first, get down early, and then try and claw your way back. They were not clawing their way back in that one. Duncan Keith, Evan Bouchard, Horrendous terrible. Night. There was giveaways. It just it looked old school mm-hmm. Edmonton, and maybe maybe the swift kick in the ass is what they need. You know, turning down the stretch here. Yeah, you just hope. You don't see them in the playoffs, right? That's ultimately what it comes down to. Uh, you hope that the 
the blues take care of the wild. And you don't is it because Minnesota? the wild are so heavy? Is that what it is? But, I mean, there's heavier teams than the wild. They're, they're fat. They're kind of like an offensive juggernaut this year, which is very strange to look at the Minnesota wild of all teams, defensive stalwarts for years, but now they're an offensive juggernaut. I just think sometimes teams are bad matchups. And for the Leafs, it happens to be the Buffalo Sabres. And for the Edmonton Oilers, it happens to be a team that's actually pretty darn good. And you hope that you avoid them at all costs in the postseason. So the super stat meaningless number that I had about the Leafs and their 1-3 record against the Sabres was uh, similar to yours in that do you care if they're playing down to the competition if they are also playing up, up yeah. to the competition? So the super stat or meaningless number is, yes, 1-3 versus the Sabres this year. Yes, Eric Schalgren didn't look great. Yes, Justin Hall looked like early season Justin Hall. But the Leafs have the third best record against playoff teams in the entire NHL. Not just the Atlantic Division, which Luke Fox was talking about. I went and looked at all teams and Carolina has the best record against teams that will make the playoffs as of right now. And the Leafs are third. And as you mentioned, best in their division. Is that a super stat or a meaningless number? We'll allow the audience to figure out what they think. Mm-hmm. But for me, that's a good omen for a Leafs team that you really aren't sure about going into the postseason. Like That's one that I will keep circled for that first-round matchup. I definitely agree. I think obviously they have some questions going into the postseason. Jack Campbell's health is is priority number one. But even last night's game, they didn't play great. But Austin Matthews was stymied a couple times by Craig Anderson. He scores on a couple there, which he's done almost 60 times a season. Then the game probably shifts a little bit. So I wouldn't read too much into really either of those games last night for either team. Would you read into Ryan Hartman and Evander Kane? I would read into why they're not letting these guys fight. Like, what's the deal with stopping the linesmen are just proactive now and they don't let fights happen in the NHL? We've seen this with Wayne Simmons numerous times in the last couple of weeks. I just let them go. There they was a lot of this. skill guys on the ice at the time. Yeah. On both teams. For sure there were. Yeah, but these two looked like they wanted to go, and Ryan Hartman proved that he wanted to go. The, uh, the finger to me, this is the Yamamoto, this is the Kaprizov, this yeah. is... Kane coming in, and of course you're not going to let him do that to Kane. <laughs> Five to guys on Vander Kane. <laughs> yeah, jumps in, everyone else jumps in. But look at that, you got Barry on the ice, you got yeah, yeah. Yamamoto on the ice. Like, I don't know about Ryan McLeod being a skill, but you, like, you know what you got out there. But let him go there. I don't get that. A lot of people made a big deal about the uh, this thing right here, the one-figure salute. Yeah. You care? No. Here's the difference. He yells... Bleep you three times. The whole world can see it. Yeah. And then he gets fined forty-two fifty for unsportsmanlike conduct for throwing up the old one-finger salute. I can show you where I've got my, uh, <laughs> my cast on the, uh, on the old mallet finger that I have here. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? I, 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 I'm still, have- it's still considered an obscene gesture in society, I guess. So if you're gonna do that, then just eat the five thousand dollar for forty two fifty. But why can you like, scream "f you" when everyone I can know. hear it and see it? I know this is the same thing. Okay, look at this. So that is basically the same thing as Taylor Hall sucker punching Labushkin in the face. Yeah, right. Yeah, That's that a five thousand dollar right. fine for this, and a forty two hundred dollar fine for sticking up your middle finger. Nick <laughs> Foligno need Voracek. In a rather ugly knee, 
and he got fined five thousand dollars. I can show you Jonathan Drouin a little later. There's the knee. That's a five thousand dollar fine. Knee. Same as yeah, the finger. This more. same as the finger. According to the NH. Sorry, seven hundred fifty difference. Seven hundred fifty dollars difference. That's the same kind of punishment as lifting up your middle finger. Jonathan Drouin taking Tyler Sagan down to the ice and burying him with a couple of cross checks is the same thing as sticking your middle finger up. I don't know what we're doing. So here. what should they give them? Like a hundred dollar fine? I don't know what they're doing. I just <laughs> like a speeding ticket? I have kids at home. I know you're not supposed to do it, but guess what? The guy's yelling bleep you three times. There's yeah. no difference. Probably better than like a, a throat slash. Yeah, I don't know. Do they even Who find them for throat anymore? slashes anymore? I swear to God, if I cut off a guy by accident, I would never cut off a guy on purpose. And he gave me the finger, I would laugh. You'd laugh. Yes. <laughs> the finger is a funny gesture. Like, there is nothing. There's nothing intimidating. But some guy going, "Hey, Anya, are you scared by that?" No, it's just like a, you, move, you do it and then you move on. You both move on. You just move forward. And that's that's really what happened there. But he got fined for it. I would never enrage give someone the finger. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Laughable. Sebi, are you offended by the finger anymore? No. 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 I don't no. think it yeah. is. Offended. I did not think you would be offended by the finger. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk uh, Johnny Goudreau and the rest of the Western Conference a little bit later with Elliot Friedman. But for now, That's let's go points. to yeah, uh, the play-in tournament, which happened last night. And it was pretty entertaining. I hated on it a little bit yesterday, but it was pretty fun. Kyrie Irving had 34 <laughs> points to lead the Nets over the Cavs as Brooklyn grabbed the seventh seed in the East, setting up a first-round matchup with the Celtics, could, which could really be the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, it really boiled it down. And the Timberwolves held off the Clippers, clinching their first playoff spot since 2018. It was quite a scene at the Target Center afterwards, and TN the TNT crew had some fun with it. Come on, man. Minnesota, downtown Minnesota going crazy right now, Kenny. Oh, my goodness. Man, I tell you, they're going to burn the street down. Come on, man. <laughs> who's the guy running behind? Yo, who's the guy running behind? <laughs> oh, come on, man. Come on, man. You cried. <laughs> play in, not to play off. Oh, come on, man. Come on, man. I mean, you, they should be happy that they won. Uh, over the top. Oh, over so the top. Uh, are they right? Is it over the top? Yes. But listen, like. You can be happy about the T-Wolves finally finding some success, about Cat having something to smile about. He's had a rough couple of years. You can watch Ant-Man, Anthony Edwards, and think he is one of the great young players in the game and one of the most fun to watch in the game. And you can also look at Pat Bev and go, like, this is all ridiculous. (laughs) Like, this isn't extra. This is extra, extra, extra. Like, cut or uncut Pat Bev... I can tell you what the internet thought, and it was not kind to Patrick Beverly. Let's start with Kyle Kuzma. Minnesota just won the chip. Look, the likes are still climbing at (laughs) 96,000.6 likes. Almost 100,000 likes on that. LeBron James just thinks it's funny. And let me remind you, LeBron James didn't even make the play-in tournament. And he has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten laughing emojis from LeBron James. Former 
NBA players like Cedric Sabalos, one of the great names in all NBA history. I need to think of something that rhymes with Sabalos. I'm waiting for Adam Silver to walk out with the Larry O'Brien trophy. By the way, I know there's 22 likes on Cedric Sabalos. Let's go back to LeBron. 100,000 likes. Yeah, he's got he's got Lots. reach. He's, he's got, got reach. more followers. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> uh, Taj Sahota on Twitter. What I absolutely love about the NBA is that all of its great moments, its greatest players, all seem to be tied together by a single string, just repeating history, repeating itself over and over, amplifying the greatness each time. Kobe Bryant, championship. LeBron James, scorer's table, championship. Patrick Beverly just won the play-in game. (laughs) Josiah, off the top rope. If you don't follow at King Josiah 54 and you're a basketball fan or you're a sports fan, you're missing out. Pat Bev, after beating the Clippers, that's right, kids. Anything is indeed possible. Josiah, another. How Pat Bev walking around Minnesota today <laughs> and he's got the Tom Brady after winning the championship. I'll let it re-cue here. Just for, he's already yes. at 35 million views on this one. Yeah. Unbelievable. Keep going. Warren Sharp, Pat Bev in the <laughs> locker room after. Now, listen, Patrick Beverly had an explanation for all this. And Pat says, we celebrating because Minnesota deserves this. A lot of pain in the past couple of years. Be happy for us. Nah, dude, that ain't it. If, if this was about Minnesota, this wouldn't be you. This was about you getting back at a team that you thought didn't want you. Let me remind you what you, Patrick Beverly, did right after the... This was you. Was it really about Minnesota fans? Yeah. We yeah. Clippers. Yeah. We take yeah. out of here. Yeah. out of here. Come on, man. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. Um, yes, it, that was all about Patrick Beverly. I agree. But the game itself was very emotional. Like, Cat had a rough night. He was in foul trouble all night. He was, you know, barking at the refs. The fans were going nuts. Ant was really fun last night. Very entertaining. And so they're having fun when they win. I'm okay with it. I just said at the start of all this that I was okay yeah, with it. But Pat, Pat, the Pat Bev part was Pat a Bev over, was extra. You can be happy. Nothing wrong with being yeah, happy. Yeah. Don't be ridiculous. Yes. And Patrick Beverly was ridiculous. <laughs> that he was. Uh, the Toronto Raptors practice today as they get set for game one against the Philadelphia 76ers on Saturday. These teams obviously know each other well, dating back to their tough seven-game series in 2019. And Nick Nurse says he expects more of the same this time around. Wild series, right? I think I think that that you know both teams were pronounced dead about three times in the series, right? And and it went all the way to Game Seven to the last second. Get ready, man. It's gonna it's gonna be some some wild swings, and be ready to accept them the way the way they are, and get back to work. This is gonna be a slugfest right here. This one coming up. Nick said earlier that he thought this series would be a slugfest. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Slugfest is the kind of. What is that like? That sounded crazy, man. <laughs> I'm sure this is basketball. <laughs> that sounds crazy. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. It's, it's gonna be hard. Plus, it's the playoff. We already know Philly. 
um, as a city, as, as uh, you know, as fan base and all that. So it's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a lot. And I, and I think that yeah, I, I wouldn't call it a slugfest, but it's gonna, it's gonna be fun, man, and, and, and intense. Do we need to add Pascal's laugh to the soundboard? That is that so good. good. Oh, yeah, very good. Oh, fantastic yeah. laugh. Um, are they going seven games again in a slugfest? As Nick Nurse said, it, it feels like it, doesn't it? And it feels yeah. like. Even better, the American media has no idea that, one, this is going to be a slugfest, and two, this is probably going to go down to the wire again. Raptors are going to sneak up on them again. Again. It happens every time. Again. Yeah. Like, we, we, I, the Raptors are 3-1 and one in the regular season against them. They've been able to hold Harden and Embiid in check. Like, listen, I'm not saying the Raptors are going to win this series, but they got a fighter's shot. They have a fighter's shot in this series, and I think it's going to be fun. Um, whichever way it breaks down, we got a couple more days to break it down before Saturday hits us, although you and I won't be on the air because of the Grand Slam of curling. But Scotty Barnes, I was, I was reading up on this series, and I mm-hmm. noticed that Zach Lowe released his votes for all of the NBA awards, Jesse. Mm-hmm. And Zach did. Lowe had Scotty Barnes. This is like the second time in two days I have read that someone with votes is going to vote for Scotty Barnes for Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. You and I both told people at the start of the year, maybe it's uh, time to sprinkle on Scott. Well, everybody was still on the Jalen Suggs bandwagon. You and I said, just sprinkle a little on Scotty Barnes for Rookie of the Year. It's starting to sound like he's going to win Rookie of the Year, doesn't it? Well, it looks like he's certainly building his case towards the Hall of Fame. Uh, because there are writers that have released uh, their votes and starting to make them public as the votes begin to get tallied. So I went and amalgamated a few of them, uh, beginning with Zach Lowe. There you have it, Rookie of the Year. He has Scotty Barnes, number one, ahead of Evan Mobley and Cade Cunningham. The three of them, that is who is in the running for those for the Rookie of the Year. Uh, Kevin O'Connor, KOC, from The Ringer, friend of the show, uh, here's how I voted for NBA Rookie of the Year. Number one, Scotty Barnes. Here is Stephen A. Smith and Kendrick Perkins just a couple of days ago on ESPN. Love Toronto. I love what Nick Nurse is doing. I think Scotty Barnes is the Rookie of the Year, but I'm going with Philly all day long. I agree with you that Scotty Barnes is Rookie of the Year, KP. Love there Toronto. you go. That is Kendrick Perkins and Stephen A. Smith. Scotty Barnes is Rookie of the Year. We go Dan Devine, Rookie of the Year. Number one, Scotty Barnes, another ringer. Doug Smith, obviously a Raptors beat reporter, acknowledges that he'll probably get called a homer, as you can see right here. But he has Scotty Barnes, number one rookie of the year. And then a Wall Street Journal reporter uh, sent out a vote tally for NBA rookie of the year. Only 11 people have voted so far. Currently 45 total points. Six first place votes for Scotty Barnes. He is in the lead. There is actually, I believe, a public Google Sheets document that you can log into and track the voting. And as it stands currently, Scotty Barnes, 96 total points, 13 first place votes. Don't ask me how this thing is public, but it appears that it is. And Scotty Barnes is currently in the lead. The same way that they do it for the Baseball Hall of Fame. Someone's out there gathering the publicly made votes, and that's why it's off the board at most better. So if you can find it, go ahead and bet Scotty Barnes. I mean, I was trying late last night. It looks like he's in the lead by a significant margin. Uh, We're going to get to some Jays talk, and June Lee's coming up to talk a little bit of uh, baseball with us, but there was a significant piece of news earlier today. We're going outside of what you just saw on Sportsnet, Tigers, and the Red Sox for the Dodgers and the Twins. Clayton Kershaw making his season debut after missing the postseason with an elbow and forearm injury or injuries. And in the bottom of the sixth, 
he was looking good. Struck out the side, up his total to third, excuse me, to 12 strikeouts, perfect through six on just 69 pitches. Somewhere, Rob Gronkowski is smiling. Gets Byron Buxton, 13th K of the game. Two batters later, Gio Urshela gets past Kershaw, but Gavin Lux makes the play, so we're perfect through seven. However, warming up in the bullpen, handshakes in the dugout, he's out after seven perfect innings and 80 pitches, and in the bottom of the eighth, Alex Vesia gives up the perfect game, gives up the no-hitter. Dodgers win 7-0. Here's Kershaw post-game after being yanked with a perfect game. At the end of the day, those are those are individual things. Those are those are selfish goals, and we're trying to win, you know. And um, that's that's really all we're here for. And as much as I would have wanted to do it, I've, I've thrown 75 pitches in a sim game, you know, and I hadn't gone six innings, let alone seven. And um, sure, I would have loved to have do it, but um, you know, maybe we get another chance. Who knows? To see a, a battery of him in Austin throw a perfect game or a no hitter, I'm all in. Um, but again, to what end or to what cost? And so um, every decision I make is for the best interest of the player, uh, their health, and the ball club. Um, because there's a lot of people that, you know, are cheering for the Dodgers, not only just for today and Clayton to throw a no-hitter, but for the Dodgers to win the World Series. And uh, for us to do that, we need him healthy. And the internet goes absolutely bonkers, crazy. Context, who cares? Jesse, what do you think about Clayton Kershaw being yanked after seven in a perfect game and 80 pitches? I hate it. I hate it. I understand all the injury concerns. I understand that. I understand he's getting up there in age. But there is nothing historic about a 7-0 victory by the L.A. Dodgers over the Twins on April 13th. They have the opportunity to achieve something that's only been done 23 times in the history of baseball. The history of baseball. There have been over 100 World Series champions. This has only been done 23 times. And it's not like he was at 120 pitches or 100 pitches even. He was at 80 pitches. So... Who cares that he missed the playoffs because of an elbow injury and a forearm strain? Who cares it's his first start since then? Who cares that he had only thrown 75 pitches in a simulated outing before this in a shortened preseason? Who cares that he's 34 years old? Who cares that it was three Celsius in Minnesota today? Who cares that he hasn't pitched 200 innings in six years or has missed significant time in each of the last two years because of injuries and went from a seven-year, $215 million contract to a one-year, $17 million show-me contract at the mm -hmm. age of 34 or that this team is World Series or bust. None of that context means anything to you? They are all very valid points. But this is one of the great pitchers of our generation who does not have a perfect game. He had been through seven today. He had six outs to go. He was at 80 pitches. Yeah, yeah I, I can count the innings. <laughs> 80 pitches. And I just think when you have history on the doorstep like that, especially not, not only for him, and he's class. His postgame was very class. I don't, who knows if he's telling the truth or not. But he was a class act in his answer. But it's an entertainment sport as well.
and fans were in attendance, fans were tuning in, fans wanted to yeah, see a perfect game. The, give me give me a break. Half the fans that were commenting on Twitter weren't even watching the game. But They're they just, would have. No, they wouldn't they have. They would have in the no, eighth they and the ninth have. They never would have. They would have just commented on Twitter exactly the way you're doing it because you didn't watch the game either, nor did you tune in when we had the tweet going through our group that there was a perfect game going. Admit it. You didn't turn it on. No, we started tracking it. We started tracking it here. Sebi? Did you watch we it? We started tracking I had work to do. Did you watch it? I had. June Lee will join us next. You and Curry also will join us <laughs> on the new album and tour. His thoughts on the Raptors, Jays, and Raiders. Elliot Friedman, 32 Thoughts. And after the break, we'll, we'll ask June Lee if he agrees with me <laughs> or if he agrees with you. I, listen, I just think that people are commenting and never even gave a bleep about the game. They just wanted to tweet about history. Tim and friends, we're getting a four-day weekend. <laughs> Fly ball hit deep to right. It's gone. Aaron Hicks hits one out to right center. The Yankees win. They beat the Blue Jays four to nothing. Now Evander Kane's trying to fight off the whole Minnesota team. Hartman going after Kane. He wants Kane. He's going to get him. Let him go. Hartman trying to pull Kane out of the pile. Hey, great job, boys. Two guys that really want to fight. Lucky they didn't get one over top in that one. <laughs> yes! Oh, that's great. That has to be all over highlights tomorrow. She wrote my name on a softball, and Chloe, you're an inspiration. Like, holy cow, you're really cool, and that homer was for you. Game two in New York. You say Kikuchi will make his season debut. Swing and a drive deep to left field. Makes the catch. Oh, what a terrific play by Burial in left. What a good defensive inning for the Blue Jays. Deep right center. And the ball is gone. A two-run home run for Hicks. Pickoff play to first, and it's over. Gladys head down the right field line. LeMahieu's going to come around to score. The Yankees have a 2 nothing lead. The Blue Jays' offense just couldn't do anything against the Yankee bullpen. They shut off the Jays on just five hits. Rough night for Yusei Kikuchi and the Jays last night. They'll look to bounce back against Garrett Cole and the Yankees tonight. Jason Jose Barrios to the mound after an ugly opener. He and his 108 ERA go against the Bronx Bombers tonight. See it on Sportsnet 1. Sportsnet 1 starting Blue Jays Central, 630 Eastern, 330 Pacific. Jays lineup to face Cole looks like that same top five as we have seen basically to start the season with Lourdes Gurriel DHing tonight. Alejandro Kirk catches and hits sixth. Matt Chapman will bat in the seventh spot. Raymel Tapia will get the start in left. He bats eight, while Santiago Espinal starts again at second base, bats ninth. That could be a little turnover there, Espinal into Springer. Our conversation turned a lot of people over or against or with us based on what side. This is very interesting. For those just joining us, Clayton Kershaw was yanked after 80 pitches and a perfect Seven innings with 13 Ks and no walks because it was his first start of the season. Paul writes in and says, what happened with Kershaw today was bad for the sport. Daryl writes in and says, 
SN didn't have the game on, boys. Agree with Jesse. 80 pitches over seven innings. That's roughly 11 pitches an inning. You want to argue with that pitch count nonsense? That's an average of 22 pitches, which would get Kershaw to 102 to complete the perfect game. Who liked that tweet? One person. Who is that? Let's see. Who liked that? One like. Oh my Jesse. goodness. Jesse there you go. <laughs> I like the guy who agrees with me. Uh, let's see if you like this one. Charles writes in and says, Jesse's Kershaw comments are ridiculous. Yeah, Short sighted big time. I think this is actually a phenomenal like. <laughs> That's from the account. That's not what are you fair. talking about? The power, I just the power did it, of the you account. Oh my June God. Lee joins us from Yankee Stadium. I want to bring Ju- <laughs> June Lee can settle this argument. June, what do you think? I, I tried to just give context for people to understand where Kershaw was for this start. Tell me what you think. I totally understand where people are coming from when in regards to considering Kershaw's injury history, the fact that there was a short spring training, you know, he's still building up his pitches, but it's still a perfect game. Like, you can call it short-sighted in this moment, but it's history. History is not short-sighted. And for all the things that Clayton Kershaw has accomplished in his career, he's won a World Series, he's won three Cy Youngs, he's won an MVP award as a pitcher, one of the things he hasn't done is pitch a perfect game. And there's only so many guys in the history of the sport that have been able to do that. And on top of that, I think there's a little bit of nuance to this conversation okay. that is missing from Twitter, as Twitter you know, tends to no, do. No, come on. Where, nuance missing you know, another from 20 Twitter? Pitches, <laughs> another 20 pitches isn't going to ruin his arm forever. And, you know, if... I don't know what Clayton Kershaw is feeling in terms of just him being a competitor and whether or not he wanted to go back out there. But it's a situation where it's history. I think you can have it both ways where, you know, you can protect him after the start by resting him a couple more days after the fact. It's not just a, you know, would you rather have a shoulder that's blown out for the rest of your life, you know, <laughs> prevents you from hanging yes, out with your kids? Yes, it is, dude. Or would you rather have a perfect game? It's not It's not that black and white. No. I think there's a way for the team to have thread the needle here, especially after, you know, you have back-to-back homers from Bellinger and, and Lux to give the Dodgers a little bit of a cushion. Like, it's not even trading off the win in the moment. There was a way, I think, that you could have thread the needle, at least given him a shot to go out there and go for that perfect game because it's not just today. It's baseball history that he's going for as well. Did I tell you how much I love when June comes on the show? Yeah, and, and not just June, <laughs> Jeff Passan also agreeing. If it's a no-hitter, whatever, says our mutual friend Yankum, Clayton Kershaw's thrown one. But there have been 220,000 games in Major League Baseball history and only 23 perfect games, especially with a pitch count of 80. I, you know what I would have loved to known from Dave Roberts at the end of this game, June, was... Where they play, like was 80 the limit the entire time and they stuck to that, or was 70 the limit, or was 75 the limit that they agreed on going in? Because I think that's also context and also nuance. Sure, I mean, and there's also a lot of questions around this too, where you know Dave Roberts could also protect Clay Kershaw if he didn't want to go out there and just take all the blame himself. If he, right. if Clay Kershaw didn't want to finish this perfect game because of the health situation, because he wanted to put the team first, which I totally understand, especially given the fact that the Dodgers are in a position to win a World Series this year, right. I totally understand. That would be a good managerial decision from Dave Roberts to take the blame and and move it off of Kershaw if he didn't want to go out there as well. 
Yeah, that was. Uh, I saw a couple people tweeting like, "There's no way Kershaw comes out if he wants to." Like, the guy's 34. He's done everything in the league. He's maybe the best pitcher of an entire generation. If he wants to go out, Dave Roberts tells him no. Like, mm-hmm. how the hell does that happen? Um, and maybe you're right. Maybe right. it was Dave Roberts taking a bit of a bullet for Clayton Kershaw who didn't want to push it either. Uh, this is a great debate because I believe that there is no right answer, although Jesse, June, and Jeff yes. Passan all believe that there is a right answer. The and Avengers. I'm on the wrong side. The Avengers. <laughs> I'm on the wrong side of it. Um, one of the other kind of conundrums that I've been looking at in this small sample size of the start of the season is, listen, you say Kikuchi struggled a little bit for the Jays as a starter yesterday. Uh, Jose Barrios is going out to the bump with a 108 ERA today. And I was wondering if the shortened schedule in the preseason or spring training may be leading to some starters struggling a wee bit at least early. Have you seen any evidence to back that up, whether it be actual statistics or just the eye test, June? I think it's a little too early to extrapolate just a weekend because most guys have only had one start and anyone can have just a bad start. Uh, But I do think it's worth watching because when you have conversations with pitchers over the course, about, about the last couple of years, and the short 2020 season, mm-hmm. the 2021, there's been kind of an unusual stretch of games that you've had in just regards to the schedule, and you throw in the lockout into everything what happened here. It has been an unusual, inconsistent stretch of a couple of years where pitchers are putting weird strains on their arms. So I think that's just something to watch out for because teams, when you talk to them about just player development, not at the major league level, but below, you talk about how this, the schedule the last couple of years has really put a strain on guys because of the inconsistency, the fact that they haven't been able to build up in the way that, you know, they, that teams would have wanted over the course of the last few seasons. So this is, I don't think, a problem yet, but something worth watching as the season develops as we move forward. One of the other things that was kind of throwing a fly in the ointment for me was trying to figure out uh, which teams were actually trying to win. And I know this was a big topic for the Players Union <laughs> Uh, during the lockout and attempting to sort the lockout. Like, there just seems like there's a couple AAA teams that are playing Major League Baseball right now. Within the conversations that you're hearing within the league, like, how much do the teams not trying to win right now factor into the way we kind of analyze the game right now? I think it's a big role, but if the teams collectively cared more about it, they would have pushed even harder in the CBA negotiation to make the competitive balance of the sport better. And ultimately, a lot of these teams that are fielding AAA-level teams on a Major League field right now, they're still getting money because of the shared revenue that Major League Baseball splits among the TV the TV dollars that, that come in. And so, you know, you don't need to field a competitive team right now in order to be profitable as a business in terms of Major League Baseball. I do think an interesting wrench in all of this that I think we're going to have to watch develop over the course of the next couple of years, and I see this tied into the way that the conversation around Miami Dolphins and Brian Flores' lawsuit ties in, mm. where yeah. Stephen Ross reportedly, allegedly, was willing to pay Brian Flores to throw games. And especially as gambling becomes a bigger force of money in the United States, as it's become legalized across the country, you turn on a game in the United States right now, you see gambling ads everywhere. I rock around New York right now, you see gambling ads everywhere. You know, there's a way to throw a game in the moment, right? A guy makes an error, a guy, you know, misses a basket, all this other stuff. But there's a larger macro yeah. element to this as well, where tanking is not good for gambling. 
uh, in terms of trying to make sure that the competitive integrity of the sport is good on the field because, you know, there's ways to throw a game, game by game. But in the grand scheme of things, you're also affecting the results if you're not putting a competitive team on the field uh, from a macro perspective. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's going to be an interesting thing to, to follow over the course of the next couple of years yeah, as well. Yeah, a great point. And we were saying yesterday we need to gain, bring promotion and relegation to North American sport where you, you go down to the AAA because of things like you're talking about. And this is going to be something that we'll follow for a couple of years. Hey, I wanted to, I, I, we're running out of time here, but I know you wrote a story or are writing a story about Bo Bichette, who's off to a pretty good start again this year. Yeah, it's I you know the vibes around the Blue Jays clubhouse are really really good right now. I think the tone is set by the young leadership, and that starts with Vladdy Jr. and Bo Bichette. And my story is going to focus more on Bo and his leadership. Uh, but I've talked to guys on the in, in the team, uh, specifically Jordan Romano, who who have talked about how Bo's willingness to talk about him dealing with stress and anxiety, and just generally the conversations we've been having around mental health as an athlete have helped a lot of the other guys on the team kind of loosen up because. I think over the course of the last two decades, three decades in sports, you know, kind of the alpha male ideal of what it means to be an athlete leader has been Michael Jordan. He'd never talked about his feelings. He never talked about being stressed. No big moment was ever too big for him. But I think we're seeing a generational shift right now happen, not just on the baseball field, but across sports with a guy like Bo Bichette almost embodying that. We're talking about anxiety, talking about your mental health, and acknowledging that those feelings exist and then letting them go is kind of the way that leadership has grown in the 21st century uh, with, with a lot of these younger athletes. And so uh, the story that I'm writing is, is focusing on Bo's willingness to talk about this kind of stuff with his teammates and lead by example and, and, and kind of manage his stress and anxiety that comes with being a young star for a team with a lot of expectations in the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, at June Lee, J-O-O-N-L-E-E -E, on Twitter. I'm sure June will tweet that out when it becomes available. Uh, June, always appreciate you, even if you disagree with me. This isn't Twitter. We don't have to yell back and forth. I still like you on the show. I appreciate you, man. I can come and yell at you if you want. <laughs> yeah, you if you want to, if you want to have me on the show just to scream at you, I can also <laughs> do that too. Just put me in my place every once in a while. Let's do it. Sounds good. Uh, there is June Lee at Yankee Stadium. Great follow on Twitter. Make sure you do it. we got to take a break. Uh, we have run out of time here. But when we come back, Arash Badani checks in from Vancouver and a chat with Leila Fernandez ahead of Canada's matchup with Latvia at the Billie Jean King Cup. Tim and Friends continues with a little tennis and Arash Badani next. Arash Medani and Leila Annie Fernandez coming up on this edition of Tim and Friends. But this, uh, this debate on Clayton Kershaw and his perfect game through seven. For those just joining mm -hmm. us, uh, the Dodgers hit the field against the Twins in Minnesota earlier today. Clayton Kershaw was perfect through seven, 13 strikeouts, no walks. And he was yanked after 80 pitches. I attempted to provide a little bit of context surrounding the yanking, and it doesn't seem to be getting through to many people. Jesse, I asked you to send out a poll with some context. What did that poll tell us? Well, I'll let you uh, decide how much context we provided. But we said, as debated between Tim and Jesse on the show, considering Clayton Kershaw's injury history, which is the context, how do you feel about him being pulled? After seven innings and 80 pitches with a perfect game intact. 
You think injury history is the context that I was looking for? Like, not the first start since he didn't play in the postseason. Not that he's 34 years old. Not three Celsius today in Minnesota. Not that he hasn't pitched an entire season in two years, three years now. Not that he went from a $215 million contract to a one-year $17 million contract. And that he had only thrown 75 pitches in a simulated game. I feel like including all those points is kind of like being in a courtroom and leading a witness. So I decided to leave it out. Yeah, you just led the witness the other way. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, so the fine with it, livid, let him pitch right now. Uh, over 500 votes says 66% livid, let him pitch. Shocking. Shocking. There's a lot of responses coming in. Um, and a lot of them are from former baseball players, analysts, that sort of thing. So uh, Daryl Samuels, who we've already featured so far uh, last block, mm-hmm. uh, writes in and says, David Wells agrees with us, Jesse. David Wells said, I hope he tried to plead his case. It's unreal, and I hope he didn't want to come out. Uh, when Daryl, quote, tweeted David Wells, mm-hmm. someone liked. How is that agreeing with you? What if he did want to come out? It wasn't, yeah, I mean, that's possible. That wasn't really the point I was trying to make, but the point is. I know it wasn't because it doesn't confirm your <laughs> the bias. The point is, David Wells, Boomer himself, liked Daryl Samuel's tweet, <laughs> which I thought was very cool. And that was the reason I was bringing it up in the first place. Not the point that David Wells is agreeing with. I don't know if he's agreeing with sure. us or not. Um, Jake Arietta says, uh, you have to let Kershaw roll in the eighth. Doesn't matter if it's his first or 30th start. Hitter to hitter, if any man has ever earned the right, it's him. Roll the damn dice. Uh, Ben Verlander. This is a travesty. Keep Kershaw in. This would be one of the coolest things in history. I agree with that last point, without a doubt. I do. This would have been very, very cool. And I wanted to see it, too. I just understand the context that I gave. For sure. And hope that others do, too. And in fairness to the debate, which was very much a debate, uh, Will Middlebrooks writes in and says... Uh, as much as I'd love to see Kershaw get the perfect game, they, they need him healthy. He's dealt with a lot of injuries the last couple of years, and L.A.'s rotational depth isn't what it normally is right now, plus the abbreviated spring training. I hate it, but smart move by Doc Roberts. Hmm. All right, listen, um, you more of your tweets are rolling in. We'll get to those as well. Time for a break. Elliot Friedman joins me next. We'll ask him. Go around the NHL. This is a fun one today. Two weeks left in the regular. This is a very on a random Wednesday. This is a very easy one to take either side, and I absolutely love those kind of debates. So we may get Elliot Friedman involved next. But we're going to talk about Johnny Hockey Calgary. Don't worry about it. We're getting there. Elliot next. Now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. This is a fun one. Thank you very much, Cheap Dogs. Back here, hour number two, full hour on Sportsnet 360, which includes Jurgen Curry of the aforementioned Cheap Dogs. New album coming out, new tour underway. Uh, and we'll just talk sports with the dude because he's a good dude. Just a half an hour to go on Sportsnet. Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey coming your way. So Elliot Friedman will drop by shortly. We begin, though, with that Wednesday night hockey. Habs and Jackets tonight. Joss Anderson's first game back in Columbus since being traded to the Habs for Max Domi in October of 2020. Anderson spent his first six seasons with the Jackets. Carey Price remains out as he works his way back into game shape. 
Carolyn Cameron and the crew have the pregame starting 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific. Jays, meanwhile, continue their series in the Bronx. Jose Barrios taking on Garrett Cole. Barrios coming off a brutal opening night outing. You can see it on Sportsnet 1 with Blue Jays Central starting again 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific on Sportsnet 1. Jays lineup looks like this usual top five to start Alejandro Kirk will catch and bat six that catching spot a real interesting topic of conversation Alejandro needs to start hitting to make sure that Gabby doesn't start knocking on the door Jays rotation has struggled their first time through Charlie Montoya was asked about going to a six man rotation just moments ago. We were thinking that from the beginning because we were going to play 30 games in 31 days. So we we're thinking about, you know, giving guys an extra day of rest. So, yes, we're thinking about a six man rotation. We're actually talking about it right now. It could be any day. It could be Friday. It could be after the off day. It could be Saturday. It could be Sunday. But but we're doing it. Rush could be the candidate just because he's stretched out and he, he's done it before. So, yeah, he could be the one. Thank you, Charlie. Here is the controversy of the day. Clayton Kershaw making his season debut after missing the 2021 postseason with elbow and forearm injuries. He was unbelievable. This is the bottom of the sixth. He struck out the side to get up to 12 Ks on the day. Perfect through six innings with 69 pitches. Nice. Bottom seven, Kershaw gets Buxton. 13th K of the game. Two batters later, Gio Urshela. Grounder gets past Kershaw. Gavin Lux, right place, right time. Makes the play. Keeps the perfect game intact. Kershaw walks off. People are going, wait a second. Daps and head tacks. He's out of the game. Uh-oh. Seven perfect innings pulled after 80 pitches. And, of course, Alex Vasilla comes in, breaks up the combined perfect games Dodgers do go on to win seven nothing the final that man under scrutiny here's Kershaw after the game at the end of the day those are those are individual things those are those are selfish goals and we're trying to win you know and um, that's that's really all we're here for and as much as I would have wanted to do it I've, I've thrown 75 pitches in a sim game you know and I hadn't gone six innings let alone seven and um Sure, I would have loved to have do it, but, um, you know, maybe we'll get another chance. Who knows? To see a, a battery of him in Austin throw a perfect game or a no-hitter, I'm all in. Um, but, again, to what end or to what cost? And so um, every decision I make is for the best interest of the player, uh, their health, and the ball club um, because there's a lot of people that, you know, are cheering for the Dodgers, not only just for today and Clayton to throw a no-hitter, but for the Dodgers to win the World Series. And uh, for us to do that, we need him healthy. Mark writes in, among others, Tim, are you talking to fans of baseball wanting to see a perfect game so few ever accomplished, or are you talking to twits? Who cares about, sorry, who the hell cares about the contract? That's the point of giving you the context. You don't care about the contract. You don't care about Clayton Kershaw, and you certainly don't care about the Los Angeles Dodgers winning the World Series this year when it's World Series or bust for that team. That's my entire point, is that when I give you the context, if you're just a baseball fan, I get it. I want to see a perfect game too. 
but everyone on the Dodgers, including Kershaw, needs the context that I wrote down on this little scrap piece of paper in front of me. Uh, James writes in and he adds a different context, Jesse. Hey, Kershaw agreed to come out of the game. He cares about his next contract more than the possibility of mm-hmm. a perfect game. Hey, now. Yeah. Well, you probably should. It's a lot of money. Vinny writes in and says, June, Jeff, Jesse, and Tim. <laughs> That's great work. Well and, done, Vinny. Uh, Joe writes in <laughs> and says, Dodgers didn't enter this season with a goal of getting Clayton Kershaw a perfect game by overusing him two weeks into the year. The goal is a World Series. Yeah, I mean, things Pull change. Him. Things change when you're six outs away from a perfect game. Things change all of the time. But you do things in the game of baseball. There's a whole reason why Charlie Montoya was just talking about stretching out guys. Mm-hmm. So they don't get hurt. So they don't get hurt. So that they put themselves in the best position to succeed. And I know you want to see a perfect game. I want to see a perfect game. But I'm just telling you, I think the context matters. All right, to basketball. Raptors gearing up for the Sixers. That series gets going Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern in Philly. Earlier you heard Nick Nurse predicting excuse me, a slugfest in the series. A huge factor will be how the Raptors contain Joel Embiid. And Thad Young says the Raptors' unique lineup combos could be an advantage. Yeah, it's very unique. Um, you know, I think it's unique from a standpoint of, like, all the guys are, like, the same height. <laughs> but, uh, but the good thing is, like, like we, we all are interchangeable and we all can play different positions. Like, you know, you never know who can push the break. You never know who's going to, you know, be the shooting guard. You never know who's going to be the power forward. Like, you know, I'm, you know, lined up at, against Joel sometimes. And, you know, it, it's just crazy. Like, this is like the first time I've been on that play is like without a center most of the time. <laughs> but, you know, we figure out a way to win games and we figure out a way to, to wreak havoc on the other team. We got more play in action tonight. And the late one is on Sportsnet 360. Pelicans, 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 Pelicans hosting the Spurs with the winner moving on to face the Clippers for the eighth seed. See it tonight, 9.30 Eastern on Sportsnet 360. UEFA Champs League action. These are the second two quarterfinals taking place. This one, Atletico Madrid, Manchester City. Man City entered the second leg, leading 1-0 on aggregate. We pick it up in the 89th minute with controversy. Is this a bit of a swipe at Phil Foden? Well, a lot of people thought so. Stefan Savage tries to pull Foden up from the ground, acting as though he's faking. He's given a yellow card. Felipe issued his second yellow card of the match. He's not happy. Madrid down to 10 men. Stoppage time. Atletico free kick. Yannick Carrasco. Ederson makes the save. Listen, this is the way Atletico plays. They got the game they wanted, but they couldn't score. Man City advances 1-0 on aggregate. They're on to the semifinals. Other set, other quarterfinal for a spot in the semifinals. Liverpool-Benfica. Liverpool up 3-1 on aggregate and looking to advance to their third Champs League semifinal in five seasons. 55th minute, already tied at one. Bad clearance for Benfica. Diogo Jota connects with Roberto Firmino. Firmino, yawning cage. Looks like Duncan Keith last night. <laughs> giving it away? Yes. Justin Hall, too. A fourth goal in as many Champs League matches. That is a three-goal aggregate lead, and Firmino again. 
the brace with absolute ease. Benfica is out 6-4 on aggregate after a 3-3 draw as Benfica tried to open up and play the beautiful game. Give them some credit. It wasn't Atletico Madrid out there. It will be Real Madrid taking on Manchester City in one semifinal. While Liverpool continues to get the good draw, they get the yellow submarine of Villarreal. We'll see if they can benefit. Those two will go at the end of the month. All right, we go from Champs League soccer and a pretty damn good debate in the world of baseball right now to our good friend Elliot Friedman. Time for 3 of 32 with Elliot Friedman. Brought to you by the first ever GMC AT4 lineup. Friedge, did you see the Clayton Kershaw stuff today? Do you want to weigh in on it? Because it seems to be the debate of the day in the sports world. 80 pitches, perfect through seven in his first start since returning from injury. Did I see that Kershaw took the heat off the team? Yes. He, he took the high road, but he also said he didn't say that he wanted out. He, didn't, he just said he took the high road and said, I would have liked to have finished. So he left that in the air. Like, did he want out was never answered. Well, when it first, when it first happened, I think I had the same reaction as everybody else. Uh, I, I don't think that kind of thing is good. Um, you know, it's kind of like if a guy had eight points in an NHL game and he got stapled to the bench for the last <laughs> 10 minutes, yeah. I, I'd be going, I'd be, I'd be doing what the bleep too. I would be sitting there saying, I don't want to see that and nobody else wants to see that either. Um, I didn't like it. Um, I thought Kershaw really did a nice job for the Dodgers there in terms of at least deflecting some of the heat. But I generally think that that's not where we should be going. And I think it is one of the reasons, like, I love baseball. I'm a huge baseball fan. I'm very excited about the ratings that the Blue Jays have gotten so far <laughs> earlier in this year. Uh, but I do think that the sport has a big problem. Like, my, my father is a chartered accountant. And all he cares about is numbers. And I said, I hate people that run things like that. So... Uh, I'm probably with most people. This is, uh, I know it's an analytical debate and people just get mad. Like Ken Reed is going to go absolutely ballistic a little later tonight when he sees this because he is like, just, are you kidding, getting out at night? But let me just read off the context, Reege, before we move on and tell me if this sways you in any way, shape, or form. So he missed the playoffs with forearm and elbow injuries. This was his first start mm -hmm. since that time. He's 34 years old. It was 3 degrees Celsius in Minnesota today. Hasn't pitched 200 mm -hmm. innings in six years. Missed significant mm -hmm. time each of the last two years. It was a shortened mm -hmm. spring. He went from seven years and $215 million to one year and $17 million. And it's World Series or bust for this L.A. team. Does any of that sway mm -hmm. your opinion? And I don't expect it to. I'm just providing the nuance and context so often lost in these Twitter arguments. Well, well that's why I, I, the first thing I said was what Kershaw brought up in the post game when he said, look, it was a short spring, and he said, blame the lockout. I think that's <laughs> very legitimate. Uh, so it does. Like, it is a factor. But you know what the problem is, Tim, is that, is that, one of the reasons I think the reaction is as fierce as it is today is that the sport is trend is, is has yes. gone in that direction yes. overall. Like you can look at this and you say, 
the, the reason everybody got as upset as they did is it's not because this is a one-time thing. Right. Like, you know, for example, like, is there a guarantee that if someone started and was in the same situation who maybe had had a full spring or maybe had not had the recent injury history, can we say with certainty that he would have stayed in the game and pitched? Yeah. No, we couldn't. Yeah. So I think what this was today was not only about Clayton Kershaw, it's about, like, I always look, like, how do, like, how do all the big baseball people on Twitter respond to this? They hated it too yeah. because they know that's where the sport is going. Because baseball has lost its feeling. It has become yes. numbers driven and there is no feeling, there is no passion and it's being bled out. I agree with you. Uh, is Johnny it's, like Blake Snell, it's like Blake Snell in the World Series right. a couple right. of years ago. But I, I, that, that mm-hmm. one I completely disagreed with. This one I looked at all that stuff and said... Eh, I can ki- I can kind of see why they did it. I wanted to see a perfect game too, though. Let me just ask you this: Is is Johnny Gaudreau a Hart Trophy finalist this year? Is he going to the awards with the suit on? Uh, Hundred points, pretty damn nice. I, you know, to me right now he is. Yeah. He's he's in the he's in my top three right now. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's going to be a hard vote. You know, I was talking about this with Jeff this week. I think there's eight people for five spots. Okay. And it's Matthews, it's Yossi, it's McDavid, it's Goodrow, it's Kaprizov, it's Crosby, it's Shesterkin, and I'm worried I'm forgetting somebody. I'm probably, I, I, I might Jonathan Uberdo? No? Oh, Uberdo, yes. Yeah. Yes. Nice, So Timmy. it's eight people for five spots. Very good pickup, Tim. And also, I it's really the like board. the French accent. Thank that you. Was, that Appreciate was very good. It. Yeah. <laughs> There's, there's, there's eight people for five spots. We're going to piss off three people here, yeah. at least. And more when the finalists are announced. You know, to me, it's not only that Goodrow has 100 points. It's his even strength points. Yeah. Uh, he's he's on pace for the highest total in almost 30 years. And, you know, we've, what have we always talked about with Johnny Goodrow? Well, maybe he's too much of a power play guy. You know, maybe he's... Uh, a non-playoff guy. And we'll get all those arguments settled in the next couple weeks. But the fact <laughs> is, he's scoring at even strength. And that is a big deal. When you're having the best even strength season in 26 years, that's really something. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm not going to act like plus minus is the greatest stat in the world. But when you're plus 56, it tells you a little something, right? Yeah, those those are... Those are like 1980s numbers. Those are close to 1980s Edmonton Oilers numbers. Yes. I'm glad you threw, listen, I kind of, I'm going to be honest with you. Minnesota went through a little bit of a lull, and I kind of threw Kaprizov off my list. But, man, have they played well of late. Edmonton found out last he, night. See, I don't know where, where he's going to end up. I don't know if he's going to end up in the top three or a lot of people's top five, but he's in my group. Like, you know, maybe he's one of the people that gets uh, his family sends me nasty notes in the offseason, depending <laughs> on, you know, where my voting ends up. But I think he absolutely deserves to be in the conversation. Uh, he's he's I mean, he's the best regular season scorer in the history of that franchise. And it's not changing at all. He's he's a great player. Um, Jesse and I played Superstat or Meaningless Number earlier on in the show, and we both okay. brought a similar stat to the table. I'll give you mine because it's the one that I remember. But the Toronto Maple Leafs just fell to 1-3 versus the Buffalo Sabres this year. However, against playoff teams, they are the third best record against playoff teams this year, trailing only Carolina and Colorado. Is that a superstat or a meaningless number? 
No, it's it's a super stat. I think it's legit. Uh, I mean, I don't like the way they've played against Buffalo this year mm-hmm. for whatever reason. I think Sheldon Keefe was right to call them out on it yesterday. Um, but, like, I, I think Toronto's a good team. You know, I, I do. We'll find out just how good in over the next month. Yeah. But I think they are a, I think they are a legitimately good team. And I think they've done a lot this year to try to address whatever weaknesses they have and make themselves better with the space they had available. I think Labushkin and Giordano were upgrades on what they had before and made them better than what they have before. Same with Blackwell. Uh, you know, like basically, Tim, whoever they play in the first round, real good team's going out early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A real good team is going out early. And that's the way it is. That's the way the playoffs are set up. And it's not all, always fair, but as my parents said to me, Elliot, life's not fair. <laughs> Life ain't fair. Uh, just a minute to go here. Who is under, mm-hmm. contextually, because obviously Toronto feels like it's the center of the hockey universe, but who's under more pressure to succeed in the postseason? Matthews, Marner, Drysaddle, McDavid, or Johnny Goudreau, who some in Calgary still think doesn't deserve the contract until he does it in the postseason? I would say it's probably um, either Marner or Goudreau. Just unfortunately, the way it's 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 gone for them the last couple of years, and I think also those players would want to answer the questions themselves. Yeah. Um, you know. You know. Like now, there's all this talk about Marner hitting and and, and being a leader in hits. You know, the, the thing I think about guys like Marner and Goudreau, Tim, is they are incredibly demanding of themselves. They expect themselves to be great. So when they don't hit that standard. Like, you think that other people are hard on them? No, no, no. They're harder on themselves. So I think they look at it like it's their time and it has to be now. Free each, I always appreciate it. Thanks for hitting the minute right on the like, <laughs> Absolutely, it said 0-0 zero, zero when you were done. I appreciate you, buddy. I'm no Merrick. I don't talk for an extra six minutes after the time's up. Uh, there is Elliot Friedman for 3 of 32. Uh, you can see him. All weekend long right here on Sportsnet. Time for a break. We'll get you to a reaction with Danny, then Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey, which is coming up next right here on Sportsnet. We'll continue on stage 360. Sportsnet. Tim and Friends continues on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360 for about six minutes. We'll continue on Sportsnet 360. Now, Canada has taken on Latvia at the Billie Jean King Cup this weekend in Vancouver. You can see it free exclusively on Sportsnet now on Friday and Saturday. Arash Madani is in the Lower Mainland covering the event for us, and he spoke to Canada's young powerhouse, Leila Fernandez, this week. Arash, take it away. Well, Timmy, it was just over six months ago when out of nowhere, Leila Fernandez stormed through the U.S. Open, reached the finals in New York, knocked off a bunch of Grand Slam champions along the way. And this week, she's back on home soil here in Vancouver with the national team as our country's top-ranked singles player. And in our sit-down visit, it was Fernandez who made it clear that I want to be top 10 by the end of the year. On its own, that's a big enough achievement, but especially when you consider the points she's going to have to defend later on in the calendar because of the run she went on last summer. She thinks of it as just adding to her career versus I'm going to defend the points because, you know, champions, they don't go in with that mentality. They go in saying, I want to break records. I want to keep winning. I want to be the best. And that's where she's at. You know, over the years, I've heard so many uh, people telling me that my dreams will not come true. 
because of this, that. So, you know, I just want to have that and like prove them wrong, saying that I've I've achieved so much, but yet like I still remember like per people telling me like, no, you will not achieve top ten because you're too small or because like, you're not hitting the ball hard enough. So I think that just like drives me into into having that goal, into like just wanting to succeed. And Fernandez wants the same for the national team. Canada is facing a Latvia squad that is without its top singles player here in Vancouver this week. And with Layla as the engine, a victory this week would propel Canada on to the world group at Billie Jean King Cup. Timmy. Thank you very much, Arash. And it's just a difficult balance once players hit that big time to maintain the level that they need to maintain and still show up for all the commitments that they need to show up for. And that's that has swallowed up a lot of the top players in the world for a little bit of a, a little bit of time. Yeah, it's just there are so few sports that like it where it's all yeah. about the individual, right? And that's a big burden to have to carry with you at all times. Like golf is similar in that vein, but right. tennis and golf. And in that, and the advertising, right? Yeah. Like all of a sudden yeah. you become a big deal. A big deal. You you get these opportunities. You want to take them, but it it's taxing. Yeah, it's hard and it's tough. All right, time now for. Hockey for All, Scotiabank's commitment to help create lasting change in the sports. Listen, all sports, including hockey, do so much for our mental and physical development. But it's also a chance for Canadians across the country to connect and unite like not many other things can do. Scotiabank is committed to introducing new Canadians to the sport of hockey through initiatives like Hockey for Youth, where everyone is welcome. If you're looking to connect... With your hockey community, visit scotiabank.com slash hockey for all. In this episode four of the Scotiabank Hockey for All series, we present Welcome to Hockey. Oftentimes when we think about hockey, we don't think about who's being left out. And since 2015, we've worked with kids from 34 different countries of origin. And now that they're in Canada, we want to give them that real Canadian experience. And what better way to do that than through the game of hockey? Hockey for Youth Foundation started in 2015 as a project to really foster social inclusion for newcomer teens in Canada. 71% of newcomers express an interest in hockey, but only 1% have an opportunity to play the game. So one of the first things that we teach at Hockey for Youth when a kid steps out on the ice is we teach them how to fall. Fall on your knees. Yep. There you go. And there's a great life lesson in that, that every time you fall, you get back up. The only barrier should be the boards. And that translates into life too. Once you step on the ice for that first time, you're now a hockey player. People say that Canadians are born with kind of skates on their feet, and that's kind of what I grew up with. I just feel really fortunate to be able to introduce as many people as I can to hockey, and it's taught me so many valuable lessons, and just being able to extend that to other people is something I take pride in. This is what Hockey for Youth is all about. Great story. Time now to send it to Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey on Sportsnet. Carolyn Cameron standing by with the panel. Blue Jays Central's on Sportsnet 1. As for us, we will continue on Sportsnet 360 as Ewan Curry of the Sheepdogs joins me to discuss a new album and his thoughts on 
Raptors, Jays, maybe his Raiders. Back in 60 on 360 as Tim and Friends continues the rest. Please enjoy. Hot and Sandra. Truth not only climbing up the charts, but getting Jesse Rubinoff to play air guitar in studio. Uh, the oh no, don't do that! Oh my goodness! Just ruined the song. The guy who does the song is about to come on, and he just saw you do this. It's okay. The song we, uh, we were listening to it before the show. Amazing track. Uh, yeah, no. It makes it happy. Makes a smile. From Miami, here is you and Curry, our old friend. You and what's going on? Did you see Jesse Yo. playing the air guitar? You know, it's it's hard to look cool playing the air guitar no matter what, so. <laughs> yeah, uh, big North American tour coming up. 49 dates, 19 Canadian cities. Tickets now available. You're in Miami. Uh, sounds like good times, my friend. Yeah, I'm. Uh, turns out I'm severely late for... Uh, Blue Jays spring training. I guess I'm also not in the not in the right part of Florida either. Um, yeah, I know I was supposed to come go to Mexico in January, and a little thing called COVID got in the way. So, uh, right. Yeah, we have so many tour dates coming up, so I'm I'm just trying to rest up before we get at get at it. You know. So uh, when when the album comes out, like what is it? I'm I'm no. I, you could probably tell I'm no rock and roll superstar. Like when an album comes out like this, what does the schedule turn into? And like obviously COVID throws wrenches into all of this stuff, but like you're just flying around the, the, the world, aren't you? Yeah, it's kind of I think what happens is you put out a record and, and maybe you take like anywhere from like two to six weeks to make that record. But then you spend like at least 18 months touring to uh, support it if not more depending on what's going on so it's this big imbalance of like recording versus actually traveling and supporting it and uh it's really weird because you know the pandemic comes along and all of a sudden all i'm doing is is not touring and i it's the most i've been home since you know i don't know i was 19 years old or something did you get sick of it like were you just begging yeah. to, like obviously when you're touring you're like I want to get home after a while where you just like get me out back in the road I need to go back in the road yeah you need balance man I mean it'd be like I don't know it's like a, I don't know it's like I guess you know when you hear about athletes retiring and they have no idea what they're supposed to do you know <laughs> like you see why Tom Brady came back right Without it, I love talking about I know we're going to talk sports because that's how you and I bonded was over sports but I I'm kind of like do you ever like just cozy up to a bar? Like you sold out like multiple shows in Europe. Do you ever like just cozy up to bars and go, "Yeah, I'm, I'm big in Europe." <laughs> I don't know. That's true. So I, I don't think I can say that. No. I want to be a liar. <laughs> um, I'm not really a braggart. I don't like to. I don't. If I have to tell you what I did, then that's not going to do it for me. Uh, okay, so we were we were teeing you up as like fan of the Jays, fan of the Raps, fan of the Raiders. Yep. What are you most excited yes. about right now? 
because you got a new $40 million quarterback, or at least the same old quarterback, but now he's getting paid $40 million. Uh, you got the Jays starting the season, the Raps heading in the playoffs. Like, what excites you and Curry the most out of that group? Is, did they give Derek Carr a, a bump in pay? I didn't even hear about that. Yeah, today he just signed uh, oh, three years, and I think it's $40.5 million per. It's hard to make sense of these quarterback deals because everybody just keeps going up and up. But, uh, I mean, Devontae is very, very exciting. Yes. Um, Hunter Renfrew is a great, like, counterbalance. There he is right there with his, like, you know, possession-style receiving. I love me some Max Crosby. The He's the beast of the defensive end. Yeah. Uh, they're very exciting. I mean, I don't know how they made the playoffs. Big shout-out to the Colts. Uh, losing to Jacksonville in the last week of the season. So that was crazy. And that, you know, I know everybody's talking about that Bills Chiefs playoff game that it might have been the best game of all time. And, and it probably is. But that Raiders Chargers last game of the season was phenomenal. So I'm definitely looking forward to Raiders football. But Jay's obviously coming up here pretty good, too. Uh, okay, let me just read off because I, I wrote it down and I haven't been able to use it yet today. Uh, here are the quarterbacks making $40 million a year or more. Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, and Derek Carr. I like Derek Carr. Don't get me I wrong. I too. And I think he's a leader. I think that's valuable. But, man, that's a lot of money. Yeah, I, I like him, but I don't forty million like him. <laughs> yeah, I don't like him. Like I, him. I liked him when he was what was he like nineteen cap or whatever. Right, he's a good player, but not. I don't know. It's. I think that's a ceiling when he's your best quarterback. I mean, I guess everyone was kind of lukewarm on Stafford, and he just took the Rams to the Super Bowl. So, you know, you yeah. need a full team to get you there. But I'm, yeah, I'm with you on that. You need a full team to get you there. All right, uh, Jay's wraps. Where you want to go next? Uh, let's talk Jays. I'm, I'm excited about Jays right now. That's crazy because I know how big of a Raptor fan you are, and they're about to go into the postseason. But I feel like there's more hype around this Jays team than I've seen in a long time. Like the, the numbers Rodgers did on opening day for the Jays uh, and Rangers was like through the roof. Um, what, what's got you most excited? I mean, just building on last year. Uh, I mean, it was, I mean, just from as a guy who lives in Toronto, I don't actually live in Miami, so it's just, I'm just here on vacation. But uh, <laughs> I love going to games and being able to go back to the games last year was phenomenal. And like, I don't know, like uh, those teams in like, what was it, 15, 16, you know, your Donaldsons and, yeah. and David Prices and everything, those, those were very like kind of like thrown together. Oh, yeah, there we are very thrown together, you know, with free agent wheeling and dealing, and they were amazing teams. But these teams, it just, I think there's the potential for something real special because it's, its you know, we drafted them, and it's all these young bucks. And considering we lost Ray and we lost Simeon, it's really cool that we just kind of threw down, you know, we're, we kind of, I mean, we grabbed Gaussman and, and those guys, but, like, all the most exciting players, we still got them. I'm really excited, man. Uh, I love the, that we're showing the first pitch, and Here's a, here's a little behind-the-scenes deal. They'll ask you what jersey you want. Did you guys, like, yeah. pick all of those jerseys? Because it's Buck Martinez, Pat Tabler. Like, you guys had some great calls on the jerseys. Russ, Russ yeah, Martin, Paul Molitor. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, the funny thing is I think we've done it four times now with, with each guy taking a turn throwing the pitch. I, 
And so we've had a bunch of different jerseys. So by this time, I think, you know, Ryan and I were just joking. We'd get Tabler and, uh, and, and Buck. Nice. It's funny because I met Buck at a game in Anaheim and he was like, who's this tall Drew? Get out away from me. You know, he was like, uh, <laughs> I think he was scared. He thought I was like a crazy fan or something. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, when I did it, I threw out the first pitch and they gave me a jersey with my name on the back. And I got ripped mercilessly by my fa- my friends and family. They were like, what do you got? You got your own name on the back of the jersey? So the next time I went out, I'm like, get me the Nelson Liriano number two. And that's the jersey that I rocked the second time out. Uh, all right, so we've got some video here. Uh, I heard you're not only throwing out pitches, but you're also just fooling around. Like, what kind of access do you have to the Jays to get Dan Schulman to narrate you guys just horsing around at the Rogers Center? Here's the video. Well, here's something you don't see every day. The Sheepdogs <laughs> taking the field here at Rogers Center for this big ball game. Gully crushes one to left center. Oh, that's not Curry bad. leaps and he's got it. Sheamus. You know it was weird? And on we the were, first is the Curry. It was like Curry one of those like play. practice balls. Those like spongy guys yeah. who give like eight year old kids. And so you just get the everlasting whatever out of it and it go about 150 feet. But uh, Gone. Taking cuts on uh, Rodgers was, you know, crazy, stuff. man. Like, did he get, like, a real ball cool. after? No? Ever? No, and I was, it's funny, because I was bragging, I was like, I bet I could hit a dinger if I just, like, if I just connected and pulled it to, you know, st- right down the left field line, I was like, I think I could hit a dinger, <laughs> but uh, I didn't get to test that theory. Uh, so I got, I got to do batting practice once, and I was thinking the same thing. And I hit a few, I kept hitting to center field, and there's no way that I'm going to get one out to center field. I'm like, if I just get a hold of one, I'm a left-handed batter. If I just get a hold of one down the right field line, I might get one out. And I got a hold of two down the right field line, and I hit the warning track. I did not, I could not get one out. But you're a little bit bigger than Uncle Timmy. And for those who don't know, you played a little football back in the day uh, as a good old Sasky boy. That's right, yeah. I I played all the baseball basketball football growing up and a lot of rugby as well uh yeah i don't know i i i like to think i could probably hit like what's the left field foul pole like 319 maybe or something like that we'll see i mean hey the jays want to invite me to come hit some bp i'm i'm definitely down uh yeah i want to go with you too because it was a ton of fun without a doubt uh let's do it but you can't wear cowboy boots right (laughs) that was the that was the one thing i thought you can't wear cowboy boots yeah, it's. I feel like a lot of those old good old boys, like you know Wade Boggs and some of those guys, were rocking cowboy boots. <laughs> yeah, Wade was doing BP in cowboy boots. That would be awesome. Uh, yeah, and a six pack. Great catching up with you, my dude. Thanks for thanks for coming on, and we wish you luck. For those who want more, uh, sheepdogs dot com, sheepdogs dot com, or wherever you get your fine music. Thank you, Ewan. Thanks, guys. Peace. There is uh, Ewan Curry. Uh, who will never have to watch Jesse Rubinoff play the air guitar. You never know. <laughs> you never know. He's been on the show more than once. Did, did you close your eyes and, like, Stevie Wonder that-ish, too? A, a little bit, yeah. yeah. I'm <laughs> just feeling it in the yeah. moment. Sometimes yeah. you just got to let it go. Sometimes music you know? just takes over. Yeah, yeah no, I hear you. It's a fun track. Roll the windows <laughs> down, drive on the highway, listen to some sheepdogs. What could be better than that? You know what? You are absolutely... That's good road trip music. Yes. Right? Like, just no put it on the whole album. Don't do that shuffle thing. Just... Play the whole album, sit back, relax, and yeah. 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 Sasky. Summertime, 
lighter outside later in the day. Love it. I hear you. Maybe even in the backyard. Yeah. Maybe even in the backyard. Oh, I like you got the old grill the grill, going. yeah. Like smell. Will yeah. Ferrell's Saturday Night Live. Get off the shed! Yeah. We're on the same page. Right. Time for one last break. We'll get the last call with Jesse Rubinoff. For our four-day weekend? Yeah, I forgot about that. Well, there's going to be a few last calls over the uh, four-day weekend that we're about to go uh, nice. on, Jesse Rubinov. Nice. Uh, but we begin right here today. And by the way, we might be off, but as always, we will keep you up to date at Tim and Friends on Twitter and Instagram. But let's do it. No question. A great moment at last night's Rays game. Eight-year-old oh Chloe Grimes God. is currently battling cancer so for the second time. Last night in Tampa, she threw out the first pitch and gave her favorite player, Brett Phillips, a wristband to wear. Then during an in-game interview with Chloe in the third inning, Phillips hit his first home run of the season and talked about it after the game. Crazy. You hit a home run while she was doing a live interview talking about battling cancer, and she gave you her wristband before the game, and you said, it will bring me good luck. How does oh, that sound, knowing that that happened? Usually, oh man, that's t I'm usually I'm not at loss of words, but you know I had the chance to meet Chloe for the first time, and she's battling cancer, and she brought me these gifts. <laughs> she wrote my name on a softball, and Chloe, you're an inspiration. Like holy cow, I'm. I think that's the farthest ball, hardest ball I've hit in my career, and uh, I'm praying for you guys, and you know, it, just unbelievable what what they're going through and you know I, I hope I can meet Chloe again in, in the future and what just what an inspiration the energy she brought and uh, she did she gave me a wristband it says uh, rally for Chloe our our princess and again what an inspiration I'm, I'm praying for you Chloe and your family you're really cool and that homer was for you Man. That's the stuff of movies right there. Who is cutting the onions in here oh at Tim Friend's studio? Uh, is Brad Phillips the most interesting man in all of baseball? I had the, the hairs in the back of my neck. When I saw that last night, not live, but in the yeah, highlights yeah. after, like just literally, like the hairs in the back of the neck just kind of stand up, especially when you have a daughter at home or a kid at home or have any sort of shred of empathy. But yeah, like Brett, we you and I talk about Scotty Barnes vibes. Mm -hmm. Like Brett Phillips' vibes are real, and they are spectacular. For those, like, earlier this week, he was in pitching because the team was getting snotted, and yeah. he is their position player pitcher. And he made this great diving catch. <laughs> now, again, they're getting killed, but the reaction of the great diving sliding catch is enough to make you feel, yeah, here we go. Here we go, guys. Amazing. Two away. We got two away. Like, he plays with that. He moves with that energy everywhere he goes. World Series walk-off or making that catch, it's the same sort of Brett Phillips vibes. This was the walk-off and the wonderful celebration of the walk-off Game 4 2020 World Series. He delivers in the bottom of the ninth, and you get, as Randy Orozarena scores the airplane celebration and the chase down when he goes to the bullpen to warm up when he gets the opportunity you get brett 
Phillips vibes. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's unreal. He's great in interviews, too. He's just a colorful, hilarious character. Baseball needs more of this. All he, sports, too. Yeah, he got drilled by uh, the Orioles' Jorge Lopez. And watch it. You <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just saying. I'm just playing. We're good. We're good. <laughs> yeah, he's the umpire's like, yeah, please don't fake like that anymore. Please don't fake like that. Uh, on his 27th birthday uh, last season, he stepped into the batter's box and found the camera operator. The catcher wanted nothing to do with that either. He wasn't laughing. Oh, that's so good. You. Yeah. And then two pitches later, love, peace, and hair grease. He hits. So he's got. He's got a, a feel for the moment. And he just might have either the worst or best laugh in the major leagues. Have a listen. Why did the stadium get hot after the game? Because it was hot. All the fans left. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty good, right? What did the duck say to the bartender? Whack. Put it on my bill. <laughs> That'd be pretty good. I like that one. <laughs> so do you. <laughs> Get him some help. Oh, that's so good. So that was Will Smith reading dad jokes to Brett Phillips knowing that the laugh was there and trying to get him to laugh. And if you watch, let me do this. I want to roll it one more time. If you, he's trying to get him to do the laugh that he knows that he has, and then he's already sick of it by the second joke. Watch this again, because he's already (laughs) sick of it by the second one. Because it was hot. All the fans left. (laughs) Luring him in. Luring him in, getting the mic closed because he knows it's coming, and boom goes the dynamite. Pretty good, right? <laughs> what does the duck say to the bartender? Now she's already sick of it. Whack. Put it on my bill. <laughs> That'd be pretty Luring good. In. I like that one. <laughs> so do you. And we're done. <laughs> and we're done. That's so good. He's gasping Seems for like air. Seems like a good kid. He's gasping Seems for like air. a good kid. Oh, I don't know if you want to spend like 24 hours, yeah. seven days a week with him. Seems like a good Probably kid. Probably has to tread carefully yeah. uh, in the clubhouse. Scotty Barnes vibes. Brett Phillips vibes. Yeah, one of the better laughs. Uh, okay, speaking of position players pitching, which is what Brett Phillips does for mm-hmm. the Rays from time to time, uh, with the Nationals so. trailing 13-3 in the Braves last, to the Braves last night, Washington... Uh, outfielder D. Strange Gordon on the mound hit Travis Darno with a 52 mile an hour pitch, and Darno <laughs> dropped like there was a sniper in the crowd. Yeah, uh, so good. Uh, social media blew up, obviously. Do you think we're going to see more position players pitching this season? And is that a good thing? And did you enjoy Darno? I didn't think D. Gordon enjoyed it all that much. Uh, me neither. Me neither. <laughs> yeah. uh, he was he was upset. I think that the pitch got away from him at first, and that he didn't yeah. like getting made fun of, which is basically what. The Darno one thing did. that I didn't know about this is I, I had no idea that Travis Darno played for the Costa Rican national soccer team. <laughs> what does that mean? 
Oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. The soccer, I got it. The diving, yes, yes, yes. Mark Anthony K, got it. I got it. Very good. Uh, okay, it's the 9 10 matchups <laughs> in the NBA play in tournament tonight. In the West, the Spurs visit the Pelicans for the right to face the Clippers. You can see it on Sportsnet 360 at 9 30 Eastern. And in the Eastern Conference, the Hawks, Hawks host the Hornets. Hornets. Yeah. In a matchup of two of the most exciting young players in the game, LaMelo Ball and Trey Young, the Hawks are five and a half point favorites, and Shaq feels very strongly that they will win tonight. The Hornets. Charlotte. Okay, if Charlotte beats the, 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 the Hawks, I'll stick my hand in a hornet's nest. <laughs> Deal? No, no. Deal? <laughs> Where does this come from? No, no, I will stick my hand <laughs> in a hornet's nest. Anyone in the room know where this comes from? On the last segment of the show, I will stick my fist in a hornet's nest and just. Does <laughs> anybody in here know no. where this comes uh-huh, from? Ah, ah, ah! You know how we do it. Come on now, no, disrespect no. my heart like that. Well, nobody in Raptorland trusts Shaq. So, uh, do you think the Hawks or Hornets win tonight? Do I think the Hawks or Hornets win? Yeah, I think the Hawks. Listen, I don't know what happened to the Hawks this year, but at the end of the season, they kind of sort of rounded into form. These are two teams that, like, I get the Eastern Conference was tight, but they were both supposed to be much better than yes, they, they were. ended up being. Yep. And I feel like if they figure it out, they could be dangerous, but betting on them to figure it out is more dangerous than Shaq putting his hand in the Hornets' nest. Yes, agreed. Uh, Raptors fans know all too well the damage that Trey Young can inflict, so I'm looking forward to watching that game tonight. Uh, Steph Furry, the basketball-playing Corgi with nearly 1 million followers on TikTok, has been making predictions for the NBA first-round series, and he's taking the Raptors in six. He's not taking the Raptors in six. The ball <laughs> fell in the Raptors' hoop. Well, your former co-host Sid Sixero also tweeted that he's picking the Raptors in six, which is not good for anyone. So, whose pick do you put more stock in? Sinsicero or Steph Furry, the Corgi? They're the same pick. Yeah, but whose matters more to you? I guess is the question. Whose do you value more? Well, I, to be honest with you, I think there's going to be a lot of people pissed off at Sinsicero. Because they picked the Raptors. Right. And historically, rather famously, yes. at one time in the studio, in a decisive game seven, put the Sid Sixero curse, mm-hmm. the Sid Sixero hacks on the Philadelphia the 76ers. Of game seven, Sunday night. No, don't do it. Will be Philadelphia. And it resulted oh, in thank this. God. Wait, wait, oh, wait, 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 thank God. Wait, wait, wait. Thank God. Did he pick the Sixers? Guys, guys. He just took Philly. He took Philly. He took Philly. Miss non-COVID times. <laughs> That's right. That's a very good point. Wait, how often do you see people like that in the studio? Never. Shut up, Margo. Sid, you should have picked the Sixers. The- that does it for us. In fact, with the Grand Slam of curling taking over the airwaves on Sportsnet, we are off until Monday. Here's what's coming up on the network tonight. Enjoy. We will talk to you again on Monday. And I promise, if the Sixers win a couple games, we'll get Sixero on to pick the Sixers again. I promise. Have a great weekend. Good Easter if you celebrate. We'll talk to you on Monday.